This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. I did was I was spending the night with some friends, and we all decided to sneak out the window of my friend's bedroom and begin to roam the streets. We, we weren't really doing anything, but we were roaming the streets, and uh, and as we were um, just just kind of meandering here and there, we ended up in a church parking lot. And there in that parking lot, uh, as we're, we're trying to figure out what to do, all of a sudden someone said a word that caught everyone's attention. And the word was this, cops. So I turn and I look and I see a police car ascending into the parking lot. And all of a sudden they started putting the signals on. And then in the infinite wisdom of a 12 year old, one of my friends said the second word that identified our evening. They said, run. (laughs) Now, you've heard of this mythical story of if you were camping and a bear attacked your group, who would get caught? The, The slowest person. Well, that's a metaphor for that night because the bear were the police officers. And I was the slowest person. So as I fled the scene of whatever that was, their attention zeroed in on me. And for our middle school students in here, I just want to tell you, don't do what your pastor did. This was just ridiculous. I wasn't a pastor then. And, uh, and they zeroed in on me and I ran through a park. And I remember I went to the softball field and tried to hide underneath the uh, dugout bench. And it was just ridiculous that they caught me. <laughs> and that's my one brush with the law. So, I mean, that's the, the peak of my criminal activity. They put me in the, the car and they tried to scare me. And then they took me back to my friend's parents. So oh, that was not a good thing for me to do. That was not wise. I wasn't operating in wisdom. But what often happens is that when, you know, when we get caught, what's our... What's our initial response is to run. When we get caught, we want to hide. It's very difficult to face up to the circumstances of what we've done. And in Genesis chapter three, Penny mentioned that's where we're going to start out this morning. That's precisely what was happening. Because sin entered the world through the choice of Adam and Eve. God had told them, don't eat of the tree of knowledge, the fruit on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Adam and Eve both ate of that. And because of that, sin entered the world. And so they hid. That was their instinct. That's what they naturally would do. And we find something early on in the Bible about God's character. Is he went looking for them. He went looking for them. Not because God wanted to punish them. But I want to show you today that God had a plan for them and he had a plan for us. And as we start this new series called The Cross, today I want to focus on this phrase. This is the plan. That's what the cross is saying to you. When you wear a cross as jewelry, when you see a cross like the one we have in the logo of our church, when you see a cross in And and just out in the community, one of the messages the cross is saying to you is this is the plan. And we find this right at the beginning of the Bible, right in Genesis chapter three, as Adam and Eve are parents 
were hiding from God. God was coming to them. And yes, he was going to assert consequences because there's always consequences to sin in this life. So for Eve, the consequence was this, that childbirth would be difficult and that she would always have a an awkward relationship with her husband, basically. For Adam, the consequence for him was this. Work was now going to be difficult. Before sin entered the world, human beings had this wonderful relationship with the earth and the environment that the soil produced fruit easily. The animals were tameable. But now because of the consequences of bad choices, sin has entered the world and work was going to be tough. It just wasn't always going to go easy. And so we've inherited this sinful nature like a disease. We've inherited it in this life. But thank God, through Jesus Christ, we know the one who has the cure. We know the one who has the plan. And so we're not victims of our sins. We're overcomers of our sin. And so here at the very beginning, at the very beginning, when sin entered the earth, that God came and he revealed something. He revealed that the cross truly is the plan. And he's speaking to Satan. And as he's speaking to Satan, we find this very unusual but powerful verse in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That's where we're going to focus. As God is speaking to Satan, he says it this way. He says, I will put enmity enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So God is talking to Satan here. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. This was the beginning of a war. This was the beginning of a conflict. This was the beginning of an epic battle. If we were writing the the movie of humankind, this would be at the beginning. This is where the war began. You see, because in this scripture you see on the screen, this is the first gospel. Many people say this scripture was the the first message of the gospel, which is the good news. It's the first time the plan of redemption was given. Uh, You could even look at this as an embryo of what the gospel message is within this scripture contains the DNA, contains the message of the gospel. And the people who first heard it probably didn't understand fully as we do today. But they did understand this is that God was showing a plan and he was saying this is the plan. Here was the plan. The war was going to start between you, that Satan and the woman And between your offspring, which is demonic powers, forces of evil, systems of sin, injustice, all the things of the world that are dark and horrible, all the things of the world that just make us sigh, wishing for a better place. The darkness around us, the injustice, all of those things are the offspring of Satan and her offspring, which is both us. And also Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, who was fully God and fully human. So Jesus had a lineage that went all the way back to Adam and Eve. He was fully God and he was fully human. And this battle here 
between your offspring, meaning demonic powers and evil, and her offspring, meaning us and Jesus, and he shall bruise your head. That word bruise means attack, attack, attack. He will attack, attack your head. So let's imagine a serpent here on the ground. The serpent had already been cursed. He was, the serpent had to now, since the the enemy had personified the serpent, he was now going to be on the ground in the dust. And so now he says this, he being Jesus shall bruise, attack, attack your head. Other versions say he will crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. A complicated statement, but a statement that accompanies the, uh, the, the embodies the war that we're in. And also shows the work of the cross. Yes, Satan, because of his limited power, he does bruise the heel. He brings affliction to our lives. He brings difficult circumstances to our life. There's hardship in our life and our heels are bruised. We know that at the cross, Jesus, who voluntarily gave up his life on the cross, he was attacked. He was damaged. He was voluntarily the curse of God and Satan bruised his heel. But Jesus, because of the cross, crushed his head. Now, I don't want to disappoint you, but I'm not an expert at killing snakes. I see some really manly men out there. I know some of you out there, if there's a snake in your backyard, you're going to get the shovel and go kill the snake. I can just see that in your persona. I'm the guy that's going to call you to come over, you know, but I do know this, even though I'm not an expert at killing snakes, I know this is that if you crush, attack, 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 bruise the head of the snake, you got him. Because within the head is all the poison. Within the head of the snake is the venom. The head of the snake is the part you have to crush. It's a part you have to defeat. It's a part you have to conquer. Here's the first word I want you to observe today is this. Is how do we know this is the plan? Because of the design. This was the design of God. Ultimately, he didn't want Adam and Eve to sin. He didn't want you and I to sin. He doesn't want us to sin. He doesn't want us to make mistakes. He doesn't want us to rebel against God. But if we do, and when we do, when we make a mistake, when we make a sin, God is seeking after us. He is looking after us. And yes, even though there are consequences to the choices we make in this life, our father is looking for us and he has a plan. He says, this is the plan. And that plan always goes through the cross. The message that God wants you to hear today is that just like he had a plan for Adam and Eve, the moment they sinned, just as he had a plan for them, the moment they made a mistake. So he has a plan for you to redeem you, a plan for you to get right with him. And that is all in his design. The cross wasn't an accident. The cross wasn't plan B. The cross wasn't an afterthought. The cross wasn't just something God uh, decided to use because his plan didn't work out the way he thought it would. And Satan somehow got the upper hand. And so God said, well, I guess I'll just use the cross. No, the cross was a plan even from the beginning when God sought out Adam and Eve and he found Adam and Eve. And he said, "Okay, here's the consequences of your sin. I'm going to correct the serpent. Now I'm going to correct you. But I'm going to tell you something, serpent. You might bruise the heel. The war has started. You might bruise the heel of my people. You might bruise the heel of the Messiah, but he and they will crush your head. 
They will have the victory because of the Messiah. They will have the victory because of the cross. They will have the victory because of what Jesus is going to do. That is embodied in Genesis 3.15. What a powerful statement. That's why in 1 Peter chapter 1, this won't be in your version, but you can see it on the screen. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 verses 18 and 20 says this, knowing that you were ransomed from feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Think about that for a second. You were ransomed from feudal, meaningless ways, sinful ways, inherited from your forefathers. Now, obviously, we do inherit bad habits from our parents and grandparents and whatever social structure we're part of. But all of us have inherited something from Adam and Eve. We've inherited sin. You were ransomed from feudal ways, you inherited from your forefathers. Ransomed mean you were bought back. Somebody paid the price for you. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown, look at this, before the foundation of the world. But was made manifest in the last times. For the sake of you. That's incredible, incredible thought. The design of God that the cross was thought of. The cross was designed before the world even was created. You see, this was not a plan that went bad. And the Roman soldiers finally captured Jesus and they finally outwitted Jesus and they executed him. And so this clever story has been invented to help us cope with the loss of Jesus. Nonsense. Before the world was even created, before the foundations of the world, at the very beginning and before the very beginning, God knew that the cross was going to be the way it was going to be the path. He was saying, this is the way this is the way I'm going to redeem the world. This is the way I'm going to show you to the father. This is the plan. The plan is always the cross. Here's the second word I want you to notice today is the necessity Why is this the plan? Why is the cross the plan? Because we have to have the cross. It is absolutely necessary. There is no other option. That's why everything we do always points back to the cross. That's why every week we offer communion to you because we always refocus on the cross. That's why when we lift up the ministry of the Holy Spirit among us, as we'll do this Wednesday, when I'm going to continue to teach on the manifestations of the Holy Spirit as we go verse by verse through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 we talk about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit because they point us back to the cross they point us back to Jesus they lift up Jesus it is the necessity we have to have Jesus we have to have his work I'm so glad during this Easter season that we're going to recenter on the cross because I don't want you to take the cross for granted I don't want you to become familiar with the symbol or familiar with the language because it's so precious. And Hebrews uh, is summed up in this little phrase. Hebrews 9.22 says it this way. It says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, one little phrase sums up the very complicated and intricate book of Hebrews. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Meaning this is that every wrong attitude you had, you've had, every lie, every misconduct, 
every evil thought, and you've had them and I've had them. There has to be a price for that. Someone has to die for that. Someone has to pay the penalty. God's holiness demands it. It has to happen. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You're not forgiven of sins just because you're clever, just because you're talented, just because God likes you. No, it's not that simple. There has to be a shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, it's a necessity. It has to happen that way. That's why in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who's hanging on a tree. That's the power of the cross, the power of the message. That's why it's a necessity. Because Jesus, when he hung on the cross, when he voluntarily gave up his life, he was the substitute for you. You deserve to be cursed. I deserve to be cursed. Every single one of us, every single one of us has participated in behavior that that we deserve the curse because of that. And Jesus redeemed us. He bought us back by becoming a curse for us. It was necessary. Someone had to be cursed. So Jesus became that person. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 9, this will be in the U version. It says, it says it this way, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Let's go to that previous slide because I want verse 8. I want it to sink in your hearts today. We become so familiar, you know, with the language of Scripture that we'll casually say, yeah, Jesus died for us or Jesus died for me. But let this sink in your heart. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. He died for me. He died for every single one of us. The necessity of. It had to happen. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus gave up his life, because it had to happen. Even when he was in the garden, he said, Father, if there's any way for this to pass, is there any other plan? Can you show me any other way? And Father said, no. So he said, not my will, but your will be done. It's necessary. It has to happen this way. Why? Because this is the path. This is the plan. This is the plan that God said from the beginning when he was in the garden with Adam and Eve to when he was in the garden of Gethsemane with, with Jesus. He said, this is the plan. It has to happen this way. It's a necessity. And I want you to understand that because as you're pre- preparing your heart for some of the services we have coming up next Sunday's Palm Sunday. And then we have a good Friday service. That's becoming a, a beautiful tradition in our church. And then we have Easter services This message and the other messages are pointing you back to a passion for the cross that you would not be familiar, that it would become personal again. This is not just an academic position. 
This is just not a denominational stance. This is highly, highly personal. It's you and it's Jesus. It's your sin. It's your curse. It's your evil that you inherited that has been placed upon him. And he is the one. It was necessary, a necessity for him to do it. God said, this is the plan. This is the plan. It has to happen this way. It's completely necessary. Here's the last, last phrase I want us to observe today is the way. The way. You know, the disciples were, were not much different than you and I. They were normal people. They, they weren't the religious educated elite. They were normal people. And no doubt that they had some of the same the same confusions that you and I had had. Or maybe some of us are having this morning. And religion can make things very, very complicated. It really can. Because religious leaders, we have come and too often we have manipulated spiritual truth to try to elicit certain types of behavior. And in our pride, we try to determine who's going to hell and who's going to heaven and identify people in big groups and and we place rules and obligations that Jesus never meant for you to have. And so sometimes it can feel overwhelming and confusing and feel like you don't under, under, every, under, uh, ever understand everything about Jesus. And you know, the disciples were not much different than you and I. There's a scripture I want you to read. It won't be on your screen, but it's in John chapter 14, verse 5. Verse 5. Thomas said to him, and it's it's there now. Thank you for putting that up. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. And how can we know the way? I think a lot of us feel that way about religion, about Christianity. If we're really honest, we're like, Jesus, I don't just, I don't understand all this. I don't get all this. I don't understand the institutional church. I don't understand some of the religious hoops that I'm supposed to jump into. I don't understand sometimes the Bible and its complexities. Jesus, we, we, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? We can't figure all this out. I mean, you, you go buy a Bible and there's 20 different translations and everyone has an opinion on what they are. And where do you start? Do you start in the Gospels or do you start in Genesis there's, there's just so many complexities, all the different denominations, all the different types of churches, all the different interpretations. Oh, it feels overwhelming. And Thomas, he, you know, he was saying that he's like, we don't know where to go. We don't know where you're going. And then Jesus responds in John 14, 6, the beautiful scripture. But Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. Jesus cuts right through all the confusion. And he cuts through all the misconceptions. And he says, it's still me. You may have had a bad religious experience. You may not be churchified. You may not be from the type of family that was, that was a Christian in their culture and nature. You might not understand everything that you feel like you have to understand. To be a member of an institutional church. Cut through all that. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. 
Jesus says, I am the life. You just come to me. Just connect with me. Just get into me and who I am. I want to tell you, Jesus is never going to disappoint you. Jesus is never going to mislead you. Jesus is always going to lead you to the truth. And that is why the cross is the plan. That's what the plan is. The plan is the cross. The plan is Jesus. The plan is his personality. The plan is his nature. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, we have the benefit. We've seen the plan unfolded. We have seen the plan manifested. We're seeing it today. I want to read one more time Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This complicated but beautiful scripture. I will put enmity between you and the woman. There's a war that started. There's a battle between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise, attack, attack your head. He will crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. At the beginning, the plan was there. Yes, in this life, you might have some setbacks. You might have some hardships. You might have some difficult times. You might have some mistakes. You might have had your heel bruised. You might have had some times when you feel like the enemy got the victory in that conversation. And the enemy got the victory in that relationship. And the enemy got the victory in that attitude. But that is not the final story. Because there was a plan for Adam and Eve and there's a plan for you. You might have your heel bruised just like Jesus was on the cross. And the powers of hell thought they had the victory. They saw the crown of thorns on his head. They saw his wrist and his hands pierced. They saw his feet nailed to the cross. And they might have thought they had the victory. But all they had done was bruised his heel. But he was crushing Satan's head. He had the power over death, Hades, and the grave. And he has power for you. This is the plan. This is what God has for you. And that is the message of the cross. So this week, every time you see a cross, I know you have them. You have them somewhere. You you, you have some jewelry that's a cross. And and you see them at different uh, decorative ways and different places, even in community. What the Lord's going to speak to you this week is this is the plan. There is no other. There is no other way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we, as his redeemed people, we have been invited to be part of the plan. We're part of the adopted. We're part of those who he foreknew that he revealed his will and purpose. And we have the light of Christ in our lives. What a beautiful thing. Would you close your eyes and pray with me? I thank you, Lord, for as as we are looking at your cross, we know that it's foolishness to the world. It's a crazy idea. One man dying for all of mankind. That's foolishness. But, Lord, when your spirit comes, it's wisdom to us right now. You make it wise, Lord. It's the wisest statement ever. Christ crucified. Christ risen. Christ coming again. We thank you, Lord, for... For the revelation of that scripture, you personified it to us. You've made it new to us, Lord. That, Lord, you're gonna, you did it just for us. You did it just for me. Lord, this is your plan. This is your plan for us. And we thank you, Father. We thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.